Hey y'all, and welcome to Southern Fried Spooky, the podcast home of all things Southern, Spooky, and this week, Familial. I'm your Carolina girl, Heather. And I'm your rather confused Florida man, Tony. Aw, first we'd like to invite you to our socials. Mm-hmm. You can look us up as Southern Fried Spooky on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon. Not to mention email and everything else. Well, we don't have everything, but we have a lot. Yeah. So recently my mother was going through some family stuff and came across a short story in a binding that her great uncle had written. Okay. She let me see it and I just knew we had to use it because it details a haunted house experience. Yeah. Uh, You heard me reading it and I was laughing hysterically most of the time. Yeah. So James P. Adcock was our family historian and we have volumes of tales from this particular branch of the family. He was the superintendent of schools, so reasonably well-educated and a decent writer. Um, He was the superintendent of Anson County. Interestingly, he was also the seventh son of a seventh son, born on July 7th, we think, 1907. So, 777. And, you know, there is this whole thing of seventh sons being mystical or something. Well, he was the, he's the seventh son of a seventh son, and he was born 7707. There was a newspaper article (laughs) on him that my mom was trying to find for me that they did when he was 77. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So, yes, he did all our family histories and all kinds of cool stuff. But this short story really amused me. Okay. So, we're going to do something a little different. This is... Keep in mind, I have not heard this before. No. no. I actually... I heard you giggling, and I was like, what's so funny? And you started giving me, like, a little brief synopsis on it. And I was like, we need to do an episode. I'm not reading it. No. No. So, this short story is an apparently true story he wrote... From when he was 15 years old. Yeah. So we think that puts it around 1915 or 20. Yeah. Now, I've edited the original somewhat for time and uh, for modern sensibilities, trust me. But I've tried to maintain the original tone. In 1915, nobody knew the term PC or no. political correctness. They had That was not yeah. a thing. Yeah, and you could definitely tell. Yeah. So, this is a little un- an unusual approach for us. I am going to read the story. It's gonna be a little long yeah so if anyone's not interested in a read-along you know you can skip this week but please stay interestingly i have adcock in my family yes and we are hoping that we're not actually related by by marriage (laughs) yeah yeah uh my cousin tab whose last name is adcock spelled Mm -hmm. the same way yeah so yeah so you may have to go back and see if he's related somehow to james p adcock indeed from 1915 from 1915 The story is called The Longest Night of My Life by James P. Adcock. I would like to tell you some things that have happened in my life that I've always kept secret. I've always hesitated to tell them because I thought some people would not believe them, but lies are easier to believe than the truth by many people. Then, since these things happened in my life's experience, you might not believe them, but they are interesting conversations anyway. (laughs) You know, I'm already liking the way he writes. (laughs) In the community where we lived as boys, there was an old haunted house. Honestly, you should be reading this for the right tone. He was not a middle-aged woman, but (laughs) imagine that I'm a 15-year-old boy. Yes. There was an old haunted house, a big, rambling, two-story, wood-framed house. A country doctor had once lived there, but not for many years. As was the custom in those days, the doctor's office was in the front room of the house. Many rumors had been told about the house being haunted. In fact, many people on various occasions had seen a ghost there, even in the daytime. Money was offered to anyone who would spend the night there. Many people had attempted to do so. 
but they would have to give up the idea before the night ended. So now I'm suddenly reminded of um, the doctor from American Horror Story. Oh, I hope it's not that creepy. (laughs) (laughs) There was a story that the old doctor had hid his money in the house. The house was way back in the woods, so far back in the lonesome-looking pine forest and briars that it was hard to reach even in the daytime. It was so lonely-looking that a ghost itself would not want to stay in the house, even during the day. I like how he just keeps putting it like that. Therefore, you can imagine how horrible it looked at night. Hoot owls would scare you almost to death as you neared it. I never found owls that frightening, but... When you're a 15-year-old boy in the dark, maybe. (laughs) At one time, the house was near a village about a mile away. The only remnants of this village today are some chimneys and graveyards scattered about in the woods. A typhoid epidemic had wiped out most of the village some years earlier, and those who didn't die moved away. The doctor and his family had been among the typhoid deaths. His household belongings and furnishings were left to molder in the house. Back then, nobody wanted anything to do with anything that had anything to do with typhoid fever. (laughs) Yeah, that's a little awkward. This friend of mine, who was my age, he never does give him a name, and I decided we would go and see this house and get the money that was hidden there. The money we found was to be divided equally. We agreed not to tell anyone about our plans for fear someone would try to play tricks on us. We picked a dark night because we didn't want to see the things that would scare us in the moonlight. (laughs) Here we were, two of the two bravest 15-year-olds in the county. As we went along that night, we agreed to stay with each other all night regardless of what happened, what we would see or hear. We also agreed to stay in the haunted house if a ghost did not carry us away. So we went down the path to the house, which was just about wide enough for one person to walk on. But we walked side by side, locked arms. Sometimes I would be in the path, sometimes my friend would be. Whoever was not in the path would be in the briars. Of course, we weren't afraid. It was just more convenient to walk that way. (laughs) As we neared the house, neither one of us could think of anything to say. Finally, we reached the steps to the haunted house. There were about six steps up before entering the front porch. The house was about four or five feet above the ground. The steps and the porch were definitely rotten. We were still side by side as we walked very slowly up the steps. My friend had a firm grip on my arm. My heart was in my throat. I wanted to suggest that we turn around and go home, but I couldn't speak. When we reached the top step, I caught my foot on the porch floor and tripped. I fell forward on my hands and knees and fell through the floor. My friend lost his grip on me, and one of the boards that broke flew up and hit him in the face, knocking him back down the steps. (laughs) When I fell through the porch floor, I landed on a pile of about a dozen pigs that had taken shelter under there. My first thought was, well, the ghost has got me. I had never heard such a squealing as they all tried to get out from under the porch through a small hole at the same time. There I was, under the house, and it was so dark I could see nothing. My friend had promised to faithfully stay with me till the end. I asked out loud if the ghost got him too. He gave no answer because by that time he was about half a mile away. (laughs) After about ten minutes under the house, I figured out what had happened. Anytime I tried to stand up, I would bump my head on the floor joist. I had to crawl to avoid making the drum-like noise with my head. The only way out was the hole that I made when I fell in. After about fifteen minutes, I found the hole. I climbed out to the front porch. I called out in a loud whisper to my friend, asking if the ghost had eaten him. I received no answer. I decided my dear friend was searching for me inside the haunted house. I knew he wouldn't leave without me. He was, in truth, about two miles away by now. The front door was partially open. The hinges made a lonesome, weary noise that could be heard as it echoed through the pine forest for miles. 
The sound made cold chills run up and down my back. You have to give him this. He is definitely descriptive. (laughs) I eased into the room very slowly. Just then, the wind blew the door shut. The noise the rusty hinges made before did not compare to how they sounded now. I even thought I could hear the door locking. Every hair in my head stood straight up. I have never wanted to be home more in my life. I decided that the front door was locked and I would need to hunt for another door. I started forward. I tripped and fell to the floor. I began to feel around. What I had tripped on felt like a person covered with a blanket. I thought I'd found my friend, so I put an arm across him. He seemed to be resting so well that I decided to rest with him. I asked him if he was all right. No answer. I told him I was here with him and for him not to be afraid. Still no answer. I called his name three times, but he would not respond. Then I pulled off the blanket to see if he was dead. All I could feel was the ribs of a human body. I reached for his head to see if it was really my friend. I knew I could tell because he wore his hair in a long pompadour. Wow. I got my fingers hung up in empty eye sockets. I thought I'd been scared before, but lying there on the floor next to the skeleton in the dark was more than my 15-year-old heart could stand. Now I was sure the ghost had eaten my friend and I'd be next. (laughs) I don't know why he thought the ghost would eat him, but okay. It eventually occurred to me that I was in the old office of the doctor. All country doctors had a skeleton in his office closet. Somebody had evidently opened the closet door and the skeleton had fallen out and they'd thrown an old blanket over it. Even though I realized this was the likely truth, I lost no time getting out of the room and away from the skeleton. Still believing my dear friend would keep his promise not to leave me, I knew I had to find him. I soon found another door and went in. For some reason, this kind of reminds me of Clue, where they're all wandering around the house in the dark, and they, like, go into doors that turn out to be showers and whatnot. (laughs) I walked in and felt my way across the walls. Then something smacked me right in the face. I thought, what in the world could this be? It had to be the real ghost this time. It didn't hurt me, but I had rather been hurt than scared. Felt like a cow tail switching me in the face. I was used to that feeling, but not in a dark room in the middle of the night. I called my buddy as loud as I could. I asked if this long-haired, cow-tail spirit had gotten him, too. When it hit me a third time, I grabbed onto it. Then I remembered that doctors would tie hemp ropes to the joist and let it hang down for their patients to pull up and turn over in bed by themselves. An overnight patient might need help getting up and could use the rope to do it. This one had unraveled and would swing in the draft, and this is what was swatting me in the face. (laughs) I became braver after considering the swinging rope situation. I called out to my buddy in a loud voice. Oh, how I wanted to hear another human voice, but none came. Found another door and tried another room. As I crept slowly across the room, I could feel books under my feet and piles of old clothing scattered about. I could feel an old bench in the corner. I fell forward to my knees as I stumbled in the dark. Something tried to swallow me. I was up to my ears, but I became lodged in the ghost's throat. I tried to pull out and back away from his mouth, but I still seemed to be stuck. What kind of varmint was this if not the ghost? I reached down and grabbed a handful of clothes and packed it in his mouth. I thought it would make it harder to swallow me. I thought maybe it was an alligator from Sandy Rum Swamp, but it had no teeth. Therefore, it must be a hungry ghost trying to get its midnight supper. I gave a final jerk backwards and out I came. Whatever this was was on a low, small table. When I jerked, the ghost jumped off the table onto me. It almost knocked the breath out of me when it landed on me. It tumbled onto the floor, and of all things, it started to sing. It was a very sad, long, hair-raising voice. It sang about dressing a rooster to cook. Is the ghost going to eat me by baking or stewing me? 
Was that what he said? I will not tell you what I said as I lay there, for that would be a sacrilege. The ghost stopped singing and started to speak. He spoke very clearly, but slowly. He said something about Uncle Josh and Preacher and the Bear. Then it was that I recalled hearing an old record on an Edison gramophone that an older brother owned when I was a small boy. In some way or manner, this one had been wound up and left without winding down. Perhaps someone had been by and tried the machine in the daytime and left it stuck. Or an old haint had done it to haunt me. Anyway, I'd fallen forward and my head went right into the horn of the gramophone. And the jar of my head had unstuck the cylinder. Wow. <laughs> I began feeling around in the dark. For the first time, I realized how stupid I was to have allowed my friend to carry the lantern and matches. I felt something on the wall that felt like a door. I pulled rather hard to open it. It hit me on the head, and it felt as if the whole wall had caved in on me. Glass flew everywhere, which made a racket in the stillness of the night that could be heard for a country mile. If possible, it was getting darker all the time. It seemed as if I'd been long enough for two nights. I thought by now the sun would be coming up, and I could make a dive for home. For the first time, I thought of my watch that had a night dial on it. I looked, and do you know it was only eleven o'clock? And we reached the haunted house only a little after ten. If this was how time was progressing, I must have been at least 150 years old. I imagine that I looked that old with every hair standing on end covered in dust from under the house. It turned out that I had pulled a large picture off the wall and had to spend a little time getting the frame from around my waist. <laughs> I was sure that nothing else could happen to me, but it did. Wow. Finally, I found another room. And in, then in the distance, I could hear voices. As they approached, they became louder and I became scareder. Finally, I heard one say, we caught the big one, but the little one got away. Was I the big one? I thought so. Was the little one that got away my lost friend, the one I couldn't find? Surely this is what the voice meant. Then I heard another voice comment that the biggest one would make a better dinner for them anyway. I crawled under a table and listened for footsteps. Someone coming to butcher me for a witch's feast. Then I heard, we should have asked our white neighbor boys to go with us. Then I recognized the voices. They were three black neighbor boys who lived across the road from me. The two boys mentioned were my friend and me, so I was pretty happy. I stood up so quickly I turned over the table I'd been hiding under. It made a loud, awful commotion. I called out one of the boys by his name. I felt like I was in safe hands now with my neighbors nearby. I heard one of them say, Are we lost? I believe that is the haunted house. <laughs> yep, I heard that there haint call your name, came the reply. Uh, well, what is haint? Ghost. So it's like an old Southern word for ghost. H a i n t haint. Yeah, I've never. It's a heard. very well. It's a long-standing tradition, I think, in Charleston, but like in Gullah culture, there's um, you paint your porch ceiling blue to ward off ghosts. I'm, I'm not exactly sure why, but that color is called haint blue. Oh, it's kind of cool. Well, you hold on to this possum because I'm gone. <laughs> I know I was scared, but how I felt was no comparison to how scared my three neighbor friends were. I heard them scream as they fled. They missed the path and ran straight into a barbed wire fence. Oh, no. From what I could hear, it sounded like they'd broken down at least a dozen of the posts to get past it. There I was, almost saved from my misery, but still left alone in the darkness. I had never felt so helpless in my life. After the commotion of the other boys fleeing faded, it was the quietest and stillest that I'd ever experienced. Not even a cricket could be heard. Yeah, that's when it gets scary. Yeah. And then I heard a dog howling in the old cemetery, which was about a mile east. This was the kind of howl that a dog makes at night when they seem to think the whole world has forsaken them. I knew how lonesome that old dog felt because I was suffering the same misery. 
The dog must have been the neighbor boy's possum dog, and his friends had disappeared and left him lost and alone. I felt sorry for the dog because my friend had disappeared and left me lost and alone. <laughs> the silence didn't last very long. I entered a long hall with a high ceiling when I heard a loud noise that sounded like a windstorm approaching. It was blowing all kinds of little objects at me. It felt like small pieces of thin rubber about the size of my hand. Whatever it was would sometimes hit the wall and fall to the floor. Oh, it had to be a family of witches. What is his deal with witches? Riding their broomsticks, their robes hitting me as they go by. I thought if they were here to frighten me away from the doctor's money that was hidden in this room, I called out that I didn't want his money. I had an idea I may never have a need for money anymore. I found yet another door. After a struggle, I opened it. It was just wide enough for me to squeeze through, but then something caught me. I was held by my sweater and shirt tail. I thought, this was it. I'm dead. Then I realized the door had closed on my clothing. This was the first time that I pinched myself to see if maybe I was asleep. I pinched myself several times. It seemed to be real. I was not dreaming. I was being haunted. <laughs> I saw what seemed to be a window. Maybe I could open it and jump to safety. I couldn't raise it. As I struggled with the window, I saw a light approaching me in the distance. It was coming through the woods behind the house. Finally, I saw it wasn't one light, but it was several burning torches. Could it be witches or members of the KKK? Oh, what difference did it make? I was afraid of both. I saw it was a group of about eight boys. They came within about 50 feet of the window. I recognized them as more neighborhood boys. Their voices were sweet music to my ears. They had torches and brushes because they were out bird blinding. Do you have any idea what that is? No clue. I really should have looked that up. How could I get their attention without scaring them to death? I guess he learned his lesson. Yep. While I considered what to do, they passed by and they were gone. I had to find the door I had come in through. I didn't want to hear the lonesome slow noise the door made when I came in, but there was no way to avoid that. Cold chills ran up my spine. Upon entering the hall, the little rubber bits flew at me again. It was a bat. They were roosting in the hallway. I had frightened them and made that rush of windy noise. <laughs> I couldn't see, but I followed the sound of the bats. I could hear that they were flying out of the house, so there must be a way out. If you can fly. <laughs> yeah. What a great feeling came over me. Free at last, I thought. The floor was still creaking and cracking. That didn't make me feel comfortable. As I neared the door, I could see it was a double door outlined by the very dim light outside. And both were open. I knew this was the eastern side of the house and that a long, wide porch was on the side. I lost no time leaving. As I stepped out the back door, I dropped about two feet. I didn't know that the floor had been removed to make shelter for some cattle at night. Therefore... I had landed on the back of a Jersey bull that was about two years old, and to my great surprise, I was astride him backwards. The bull got up, bellowing and snorting, and we started our journey. I locked my feet around his neck and grabbed his tail with both hands. For a moment, I was wondering if the ghost had, had in fact gotten me, but because this was just something I had never heard of happening to anyone. <laughs> it's hard to say who was more frightened, the other cattle in the porch, the one I was on, or myself. It must have been the other yearlings because they did more running and snorting than I did. The one I was on lost no time in leaving. He went one way and the other cattle went the other. Or on the one hand, I was finally free and clear of the haunted house. But on the other hand, I was riding a young bull backwards on a dark night. <laughs> we ran at full speed for at least two miles to the old sandy road. I was still hanging on, but for some reason he stopped suddenly and I didn't. He had not warned me of his intentions. Therefore, I lost my grip on his tail and sailed up over his head. I landed on this deep sand in the road. 
That bull was not seen again for the next six weeks. I got up and sat down on a small, low rock. It was still dark, but I could see a few stars in the opening overhead. Said opening ran in a long line over the road. So here I was, lost. I didn't know which end of the road to take. I sat all alone in the dark, wishing I knew the way home. Suddenly it turned as light as day up and down the road. I jumped up and could read the writing on my bench. I'd been sitting on a tombstone. <laughs> this was the simple marker of the grave of an old woman buried here all alone many years ago. The story told me was that she was a mean old lady. People told me that they had seen her and that she always wore black, but she had no head. We, we don't know why. I was about to say, that kind of makes it hard to live. <laughs> well, she would be a ghost, you know. Yeah. Now I knew where I was, and I was leaving. I knew about her firsthand a few weeks before my younger brother and the same friend I was missing went along to this very spot. And we all saw the same light at the grave, but we didn't wait to see the headless old lady. By this light, I could tell which end of the road to take home, so I took it. I ran until I gave out, expecting every second to be grabbed from behind by the haint and dragged back to her grave. There's that haint again. Yep. And as I ran, I did not look back. I had seen enough for one night. I tried to whistle to keep from hearing anything, but my mouth wouldn't pucker. I still don't know what that light was. And honestly, I'm not sure if I could figure it out either. (laughs) When I slowed down, I was still about three miles from home. I knew where I was, and it was lightning in the distance. I was facing an approaching storm. It appeared to be coming up rapidly. The nearer I got to home, the more severe the storm became. The wind was blowing directly into my face. About a mile south of home was an old country church. There was a large, very old cemetery on the side of the church that came almost up to the back door. It extended along the road for a distance. The old sandy road that I was on went right by this church. It would be useless to tell you about the things folks had told me about seeing and hearing in this old cemetery at night. As soon as I got right in front of the church, it began to rain. It seemed I must go into the church or be drowned. By the time I got inside, it seemed that the bottom had fallen out of the sky. You hear that a lot in the south. Uh Uh-huh. The bottom's dropped out. Absolutely. Yep. The church had two doors, one in the front facing the road. The back door was on the side where the pulpit was. There were two sections of seats inside. The left side were seats for the men and the right for the ladies. This is very long ago. Yeah. (laughs) Electric lights were almost unheard of at this time. Therefore, there were no lights to turn on. I went down to about the third or fourth row and sat down to wait out the rain. This was the women's side I was sitting on, sideways and looking toward the front door. I wanted to leave at a moment's notice. There came a flash of lightning, and I looked towards the pulpit. I saw something in black sitting across from me on the men's side. Whatever it was, I couldn't see ahead, but I couldn't decide what it was. I got up from my seat. When another flash of lightning came, I saw the strange being stand up also. Then I eased over to the front door. Another flash, and I could see the haint stand in in by the back door. Then I decided I needed to go home as I might be needed. (laughs) So I jumped out the front door, looking back toward the back door as I went. The headless black creature was jumping out the back door. I started running. It was raining real hard, but that didn't matter with me. By the time I got to the edge of the cemetery, there was the ghost running along beside me. We ran side by side down the narrow sandy road toward home. I couldn't gain an inch on this ghost. We ran full speed for a quarter of a mile. We came to where the road split. I went to the right on my way home. I gave it all I had after we hit the fork, and it was here that I finally outrounded the ghost. I didn't want to look to see if it was still following. Our home was a big house and a kitchen about 50 feet away. 
I saw a dim light in the kitchen, which was unusual for that time of night. My father must be waiting for me. But that was a beautiful light to see. Home at last, safe and mostly sound. I knew how my father felt about me being out at night, and he met me at the door. He began to lecture me, suggesting that I had as much sense as a chicken, but perhaps less. <laughs> I find it interesting, back in these, quote, old days, the kitchen was like, removed from yeah, the house yeah, as <laughs> fire hazard, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes the smell of things cooking isn't as appealing as the smell of things that are done cooking, shall I say? <laughs> That's true. He was up early because he and our neighbor were going to town to get some fertilizer. He told me to hitch the mules to the wagon when the rain stopped. It was ten miles to town, so he had to start early. It was 3 a.m. Also, he had a different job for me. I cannot imagine getting up at 3 a.m. to do anything. I used to do it for Panera. I still can't imagine it. Yep. It stopped raining, and I hitched the mules to the wagon. We drove to our nearest neighbor's house about half a mile down the road. They met us at the road in their wagon. There in the wagon was our neighbor's son, my best friend, whom I thought I'd lost. I was so happy he got home and safe. We drove along, each riding with his father in our separate wagons. After about four miles, my father stopped in front of the path that led to the old haunted house. It was only a little after 4 a.m. at this point. My daddy told me to go down the path to the old doctor's house and meet the current owner of the property. He needed me before light to help catch and rope a bull yearling that he, that before he headed out to pasture and lead the bull to the schoolhouse for display at the community fair that would oh, be held later God. in the day. <laughs> <laughs> My friend and I got off our wagons and watched our fathers drive off without us. There's part of me that is just thinking of Jurassic Park when the car falls out of the tree and the little boy is like, well... We're in the car again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we started down the long, dark path. After we got about halfway to the haunted house, our nerves gave out. We had stopped completely and sat down under a large pine tree. We were so worn out that we fell asleep. When I woke, the sun was shining through the treetops in my face. My friend was still asleep with a firm grip on my sweater. When he woke up, I asked him, Why did he run and leave me last night? He said he couldn't find me after I pushed him off the porch. He told me he went running for the path but missed it and got lost in the woods. While he was lost, he found the bird, the boys bird blinding. Mm -hmm. They asked me, they asked about me, but and where I was. He said they came looking for me, but they were afraid to call out for fear of scaring me. He said one of the boys thought he saw me in the window, but decided it was only a shadow, and on they went. I asked him what time he got home. He said he would have been home earlier, but a bad storm came up just as he was passing the church. And he went in to avoid the storm, <laughs> pulling his sweater over his head to keep his hair dry. <laughs> While in there, he said, he saw the biggest, meanest-looking ghost sitting near the front. When he ran out the back door, it ran out the front. He told me this terrible ghost met him in the road and ran alongside him. They were going so fast that when they reached the fork, my friend took the left one, but the ghost was going too fast to turn around and went the other side. And that was the last he saw of that terrible haint. <laughs> oh, my God. Finally, he said, Jimmy, you know, I've lived near that old church and cemetery all my life, and other people have seen haints, but I had never seen one till this last night. Now I believe in them. When I see a ghost with my own two eyes, I know there are real ghosts. And to outrun one, how much more proof would I need? We went on back to the haunted house to meet the owner. He told us some vandals had entered his old house and torn things up. Among the things destroyed was a hole in the porch, 
The portrait of the doctor had been broken and left on the floor, and the skeleton had lost some pieces. The gramophone was yanked off the table and the horn stuffed with clothing. Old boxes, papers, and chairs had been tossed about, but he said the worst damage was to his fence. They had torn down about 25 yards of fencing and broken the posts. (laughs) His pigs and bulls got loose and were wandering the woods. He was unable to find the one that we were to lead to the community fair. Nobody had ever bothered anything before because everyone was afraid of the old house. He thought the vandals were some young boys out possum hunting because he found a possum hung up in the bushes. (laughs) The owner asked us to come back the next night and catch the vandals for him. He would pay us each $10 if we would stay until midnight. $10 in 1910 for 15-year-olds. In in 1915 at $10. That's good um, money. (laughs) Oh, Lord. That's, I think that's upwards of like 50 bucks now. He was serious, huh? However... We quickly refused the offer. I told him I was allergic to old houses. My friend said he didn't want to catch typhoid fever. We left the house and started home without the Jersey Bull. After about two miles, we met two of our black neighbor boys. We asked them where they were going. They told us about being sent back to the haunted house to get the possum they lost. Their paw said it was bad luck to lose a possum. But they passed the house and saw a haint that called their name. They didn't want to go back alone, but... So they offered us some tobacco that they'd stolen from their paw. We sat down on the side of the road and started chewing. We started to feel sick and sicker until we thought we'd die. My friend told me he wished he'd let the ghost get him. I said if I knew I was going to feel like this, I would have let the ghost get me too. Thus ends the story of the longest night of my life. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like it needs to be like like an episode, like a, a, a... show or something i know right it's like at least a, a good series movie. of unfortunate events <laughs> kind of i think it would make a fun i don't know maybe a little movie or something yeah i loved it now obviously i did do some editing the original dialogue for the african-american neighbors was appalling but um the rest of it i thought was pretty good yeah <laughs> so what do you think it's pretty funny well not entirely you know, remotely actually paranormal. It was definitely spooky, and I'm sure it's terrifying for him. Oh, like, can you imagine being 15 going through that crap? It's just one thing after another. Especially the funny part. I, I just, oh my gosh, it was so funny to read this. Like, just one thing after another, like the gramophone or the picture. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I do kind of wonder how many hauntings are actually weird stuff like this. Oh, I, I would probably say more like 80 percent of them maybe i mean we know that there are real ghosts around but we also know there's a lot of stuff that isn't yeah so out of curiosity do you have a favorite part a favorite weird incident in this i oh i i about lost it when he goes into the church (laughs) and like he sits down and they both get up at the same time and they're both running i was like where is this going (laughs) (laughs) down the road very fast (laughs) well We don't normally just read aloud, so this was kind of new, different, and experimental, and I don't know how often we'll do something like this, but, you know, we were looking for something, well, new and different. Albeit, this is kind of old. Like, I don't actually know what year this was written. Yeah. Um, We can only guess that it would be early 1900s. No, no, no. I mean, it took place in, like, 1910, but, I mean, how old was he when he wrote it? Yeah. Um, He said when he wrote it, he was already an old man, and his best friend had passed on. Oh. They had promised never to tell anyone, but he wrote it down at least after his friend, the unnamed friend, passed away. So, 
Let us know if you liked this format or not. Well, your uncle was a good writer. Your great uncle was a good writer. Well, thank you. No, like I said, he he did some good stuff. Yeah. Now starts my career as an audiobook reader. <laughs> so we'd like to thank you for joining us and mm-hmm. hope you enjoyed this episode. At least found it funny. Oh, yeah. We damn sure did. <laughs> yes. We'll be back next week with more spooky tales. Mm-hmm. At the moment, we don't know what, but we never do. Yep. I'm your Carolina girl, Heather, and I desperately need some water. And I'm your Florida man, Tony, and I have coffee. (laughs) Please leave us some likes, a five-star review, and other good things, if you feel so moved. Until next week, bye, Bye, y'all. The word haint just sounds vaguely vulgar. (laughs) Well, yes, I suppose it kind of does. (laughs) Like, totally punched him in the haint. 